Hey guys, welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. It's Liz Kelly, host of Tea Time. Exciting news happening across the podcast network. Your favorite celebrity and pop culture podcasts are moving out of Channel 33 and into their very own feed called Ringer Dish. On Ringer Dish, you can still listen to Jam Session on Wednesdays and Tea Time on Fridays, and we'll be launching a brand new show that'll publish every Monday. Starting with a deep dive on JLo and Ben Affleck's infamous relationship hosted by Amanda Dobbins and Juliet Lipman. So to hear more about the royal family and our current celebrity obsessions, subscribe to Ringer Dish on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's going on, Jabronis? It's Pitch Mr. Perfect, Skylar Aston. Hey, this is Bruce Pritchard. Gross Battle Season 1 champion, Mike Lawrence. The king of sad stop. The Silver Lake heartthrob. It's Troy Kirby. It's Nick Mundy. This is your real WWE superstar, the legit boss, Sasha Banks. Hey, this is WWE superstar, Braun Strowman. My name's Kevin Owens. I'm Shinsuke Nakamura. Zach Linder. Dan Black, a.k.a. the Goofaraja. I'm AJ Styles, the phenomenal one, if you will, and you're listening, you're listening you're, to this. You're too. listening to. And you are listening to. You're listening, you're, listening, you're, listening, you're listening to the Masked Man Show. 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 Welcome to the Masked Man Show. Today we're going to talk about The Undertaker versus Goldberg at Super Showdown. Um, we're going to talk about the Ibushi Naito match uh, from the G1 Supercard. Trust me, you'll like it. And uh, we're going to talk about WWE Stomping Grounds. We're going to get to all this stuff. But before we get there, let me introduce uh, sitting right next to me is the one and only Jonathan Bartlett, illustrator, extraordinaire, and big, big time wrestling fan. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. The hey. the pencils are down. The paint <laughs> is put away. <laughs> uh, I, I failed out of NXT school. I, I don't know. I'm here. I'm ready to talk. Let's do it. Uh, my heel producer, Jim, is on the line. Yeah. How you doing, Jim? I'm great. Jim, right before we went on the air, Jim asked if Friday afternoon pay-per-views were the wave of the future. WWE's uh, latest Saudi Arabia boondoggle, um, <laughs> Super Showdown Part 2, was this past Friday. And I will say, if you want to say one really wonderful thing about that show, it's that it's fun to watch a pay-per-view at your desk at like 1 p.m. or 2 p.m. or whatever it was. Fully agree with that. I mean, I just got a second screen in my in my studio, too. So I have two massive 27-inch screens. And uh, one is plenty to make work on, mm-hmm. like when I'm, wor- when I'm painting I or whatever. I have a similar setup, yeah. And so... I'm just like, I mean, I, I'll put network on sometimes anyway, but to have like the live pay-per-view, it feels like a treat. Oh, yeah. Now, if only that pay-per-view was maybe something different. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It wasn't that bad. I mean, it wasn't that bad. No, I mean, it was surprisingly watchable. And that, and that I think, kind of is the, you know, the way these things are going to go. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, I just think that like in general from like audience viewing habits, it'd be interesting to see them try that out more. I know they've done some other like, you know, how big big time house show type things on on Fridays and Saturdays. And I don't know. I just feel like maybe I'm just I live in a weird cloistered world up here in, you know, the online publishing bubble where this sort of thing is easy. But like I feel like the world has evolved a lot just in the past like five years, the distance between I mean, think about it. Like five, I feel like five years ago, I was still sneaking out of the office to watch March Madness games on my lunch break at like <laughs> the bar down from down from the office. Sure. And now, when March Madness comes on, there's just like people just turn on TVs. Yep. 
and put it's on your it's on people's TV screens and you just kind of hop from office to office watching stuff or somebody sets up a big triple screen and yeah and it almost doesn't matter anymore this idea of I mean we're it's a symptom of the 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 consumption culture at a large at, at large mm-hmm. right that why wouldn't wrestling fit into that now funnily enough it's only because of time zone differences that this occurred there was no plan oh no of course yeah but I don't know. There's something to that, whether it's it's worth really, uh, you know, picking apart or not. <laughs> but yeah, I always like to. I mean, I like going to live, going to like raw tapings or whatever in L.A. when I was there because they would just they would be at five o'clock. You know, you just sort of like kick off work early and drive sure. down, and then when whenever the show, I mean, pay per views too. When and when the pay per views over, the sun's still out. Yeah, you know? I mean, it's it's a nice. Well, feeling so what to do time? Different times for Jim. What time would that have been? One like what time was sh- Super Showdown? It started at eleven a.m. Wow. That's just great. Perfect. It's like an early football game. It's fantastic. All right. So anyway, I guess we should talk about the show as it actually happened. I want to talk about a bunch of stuff. I'm, I'm like all over the place this week. It's kind of one know. of those weeks. Yeah. There's nothing like suit driving my WWE consumption. And I think the AEW thing has like expanded my my horizon or just made me like hungry to watch like lots of different stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, We just had the, what, the anniversary, the anniversary of... Misawa's death, I guess, and I and I ended up. I'm I'm get thinking that's why we were all talking about Misawa this week, and um, so I was watching a bunch of his stuff today, just like, wow, like old Noah stuff. I mean, there's just great. I don't know. And just just follow Doctor Death Steve Williams around YouTube. I guess is my advice to everybody. But let's we're we're going to talk about um, the Kota Bushi uh, Naito match that uh, in just a minute. It's uh, Again, I know for all you people who are complaining they don't talk about WWE enough, I have a reason to talk about it, and you're going to be interested to hear it. Uh, but first, let's talk about WWE Super Showdown. I mean, I guess we can just spin all, spin all this forward into Raw and SmackDown and, and stamping grounds, as Jim wants to call it, as we go, if, if it matters. Uh, the Usos beat the Revival in a match that didn't really matter because the Revival then fought the Usos and the WWE or the Raw Tag Team Champions, Ryder and Hawkins, on Monday Night Raw, and right. the revival, the won. revival lost at Super Showdown, yep. but then won on Monday Night to become the new champions. Being a friend of Shane McMahon, oh, that's right, uh, has its benefits, right? Um, I guess also trying being like wooed in real time by WWE management has its benefits too. So anyway, the revival, um. I wonder if they can make. I wonder if if we if fans will turn on them if it is perceived that they're getting pushed because WWE is trying to resign them. <sighs> Isn't that sort of a, why we hate? Like Brock Lesnar has too much leverage. Like we want our right. we want talent. We want the athletes to have leverage. Yeah. No. Yeah. Definitely. So <laughs> WWE is for is like is basically booking in a certain such a way because they are because not not for purely creative reasons. Well, so well <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah, and that's true. But you know, with the the way that they're writing the the content right now, the fact that they he, they they want I guess in, in a sense linked up with Shane. There's no like there's no guarantees that next week there's ever even a mention of that again. You know, and so then did it matter did that part matter? Did does do does that stick with the fans? Do people yeah. people turn you know what I mean? So Yeah, there's a whole lot of that about Super Showdown. I'm not sure any of it mattered. And that's what we go right into Seth Rollins versus Baron Corbin, which uh 
didn't matter because Seth Rollins won, but somehow it immediately parlayed into a rematch at WWE stamping, stomping grounds. <laughs> You've got infected. Uh, stamping. Of all of the matches I didn't expect to see rinsed and repeated for the next pay-per-view, this had to be like number one on the list. You know, I was thinking about this a lot this morning. I think Corbin is necessary. <laughs> okay. Make the case. Make the case. I, just, I don't know if I disagree. Okay, okay. So this really gets all wrapped into to Shane and heels and baby faces. But like, he is, aside from Shane, who that's got a whole other like hodgepodge of confusion with it. Who is the bigger heel in the company? Who do the fans hate more? And so if you're really going to, um, you know, continue to have them cheer for their champion, Seth, mm-hmm. who else do you... I mean, other than just ha- letting him have great matches against great people for the sake of doing that, th- it's believable that Corbin is the an antagonist that continues to push the buttons of the fans. And honestly, if you watch... He can go. I think his wrestling is underrated because of his damn vest. Um, but I, it it kind of feels like he is sort of like a not a, not a stand-in, but like a, a pseudo stand-in for when Brock and Paul Heyman aren't out there talking. Yeah. you know. Yeah, he's a very he's he, he, a lot of his value to the company. It seems like is functional, right? He can talk. He can work. Exactly. He's not gonna set the world on fire in some ways there's there's some advantages to that but but honestly you're right. I mean I think that the, the more interesting question is about the kind of the nature of villainy in the modern wrestling world and I've written about it and talked about it a lot and, but it's an ongoing evolution right now what we're seeing basically is that the top heels in the entire company are Brock Lesnar uh, who's in his own category yep Shane McMahon yep and Baron Corbin. Yeah. Well, and and I was thinking, you know, I was I had a note written down here. I was like, can aside from those three, it, it's like, how do you even become a heel in 2019 unless you are just inherently a loathsome person, a character by nature? Cause like just with the exposure with social media, with like everything, like you can you know too much about people. It's almost like when, uh, you know, you, you can't see past Tom Cruise because in his movies, you just see Tom Cruise. It's like, how do you buy into someone being a jerk or, or, or an evil villain on screen mm-hmm. when, like, then you can turn around and open your Instagram account and see them on vacation with their three kids and their wife? Yeah. It's just an interesting, like, and so, so hopefully that actually ends up leading to Shades of Grey, what, like, we used to get or we were getting, um, I don't know, in like 98, I, But I actually 99. think the movie, like the acting, the actor comparison is interesting because I think in some ways it's easier for the roles that, that are more clearly roles, right? Like I'm not, I never, I wouldn't, I'm not mad to see that like it, it is heel heyday. I was not mad to see that like Rusev wasn't actually like burning American flags in his, well, in his yeah. free time and like punching American kids because he hates the country so much, right? That's fine because we know that it's it's a gimmick. Right. Mm-hmm. And and I a gimmick that probably would have never it had a ceiling on it, right? That wasn't gonna be the gimmick. He wouldn't have had that same precisely same the same gimmick if he made it to the top of the card, right? Right. 
Um, but it's different when you're sort of like a top heel and you kind of have to be actually hateable in this, right? I mean, you have to, people people throw around X-Pac heat and go away heat and and everything else when it comes to, well, I mean, Shane and 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 Baron are the two people that I hear hear it about hear about it the most, but it's not, I, I kind of think you have to, I, I wrote, I remember writing this about Jinder Mahal when he got the, when he was briefly the champion. It's like you have to seem Hateable. The, yeah, it's not just hateable. You have it. There has to be a perception that you don't deserve what you have if you're going to get over as a heel. Do you think that's a historically how it's always felt? I'm trying to think just on. The no, I mean, right there's now. certainly a long legacy of chicken shit heels and like heels that have to cheat to win and that sort of thing. And I mean, Ric Flair was that for the longest time. There, I mean, he was yeah. he was not the first uh, in that mold. I mean, Gorgeous George was never perceived as like. I mean, not never was not gener- was not always perceived as a top fight grappler he used his he used various underhanded means or whatever else or just you know luck to get through matches um and you can go i mean just kind of follow the whole trail through there i mean to, up to the present day but i think by and large there were i mean there were m- plenty of i mentioned dr Death steve williams in passing earlier i mean there were there were, there have been many legitimate heels throughout the years in different territories and everywhere else. Vince has always been a little bit a little bit weird about about putting heels over strong and clean. Right. Um but there but there've been a million of them, like respectable heels and and that's and and part of that was just you know, you were told to boo them and so you booed them. Now maybe they would be a little bit underhanded, maybe they would, you know, cuss at an old lady in the front row or or you know, just kind of say you people shut up when they got on the mic but yeah. like um but no I, I think that i think this is different i think that like you have to actually be unlikable you have to be perceived to not not deserve the t- to be at the top of the card yeah and you know what i think that kind of goes hand in hand with what my my original point i think we're on the same page with like it's not just about it's not your cartoon is not the wor- right word but for lack of better it's not about being a cartoon heel, e- evil, evil person, like like a snake in the grass that's going to do shady things to win and like spit on your grandma. It's you actually need to like almost convince yourself that you would hate the real human in real life. Yeah. And that's t- that's a tough standard. <laughs> yeah. So Baron Corbin nails it. I mean, <laughs> unfortunately for him or not. I mean, fortunate to his bank, but um but that's why I like, I think he's, I think he's com- very undervalued, underrated and, and the company clearly sees the value in him. But outside of that, like, would you consider Daniel Bryan a heel? Yeah, but he's not, there's a separate category of heel that's kind of hard to, that, that's a little bit hard to talk about, that, about heels that we have so much respect for them as wrestlers that we will boo them. Paul Heyman's in that category. Paul Heyman, yeah, good point. I I don't think there's I don't think there's any rule that they can't be your top heel. That I that Daniel Bryan couldn't be your top heel. I don't think that that would be I mean, you know, at some point like All Elite is going to be in this we're going to be having this conversation about them, right? Because everybody on their roster is a fan favorite. Yeah. Or at least a smart fan favorite, right? Yeah. At some point, you know. Yeah. 
they're probably going to work more in shades of gray, but like at some point, the young bucks are going to do something heelish to the Lucha Bros or vi- vice versa, and we're you know mm-hmm. that won't affect much of the mat, much of the work, and it's not going to affect our feelings about them. But you got to you got to put it put on a little bit still. It, you know that's an interesting comparison because uh, not to go too far down the AEW route because you know I will, but. The fan, it feels like, actually, I won't even try to put it on the fans that I see watching wrestling, but just on myself. When I'm watching AEW, I just want to see a great match. I'm most excited about a great mm-hmm. display of athleticism and sport and, and like tension. When I watch WWE, I want all those other, like, I want the, the, it's almost not about the wrestling as much as what story are they telling. Where AEW is not saddled with that quite yet, despite the fact they are telling, they have told great stories. Um, I don't know. It's something about them is like sporty, and something about yeah. WWE is like no, no. Theatrical. I think I think that's right. I, but I, but I think that in general, it's. I mean, the the whole point here is that it's it's tough to be a heel. It's tough to be a heel, and and I will say just like kudos to WWE for. Who knows? But I mean, it, it does feel like they're doing this deliberately and that they've had this conversation. The conversation is, you know, put it taking somebody that people are into and having them betray their trust is not a tried and true, is not, might not work anymore. Yeah. You can get booze for a couple of weeks, but if Daniel Bryan's in the main event against Roman Reigns, heal Daniel Bryan against babyface Roman Reigns, yeah. Daniel Bryan's going to get the cheers. Sure. And, and you only respect that gimmick. You only respect them enough to boo them for so long, I think. Yeah. Who would you rather Seth Rollins be wrestling at WWE Stomping Grounds? Like completely open to who I... Literally anybody. We're throwing all the other matches out the window. Like given... Let's, let's establish that they're doing this. I mean, let's, let's just say that they're, that, they've, that they're doing Baron Corbin two shows in a row because Baron Corbin is a serviceable place, placeholder. Like he's, a, he's filler content. Uh-huh. Like, would you rather it be Seth Rollins versus Ricochet in like a match of mutual respect? <sighs> no, I, I think I, I, I still think I, I do like the angle of an antagonist and not just like a, hey, here's a guy that's going to wrestle you and clearly not win. And so um, I don't know who that would be. I, see, I was going to say Samoa Joe. I know he has another title. Like if you completely fantasy book and you take that title off. And yeah, Samoa Joe would be good. Because he's an evil guy. He and he would. It would be interesting. You could service a story with that. Um, I, that's where I would go. Something like that. My pick would be Mansoor. I think he's a really oh effective boy. heel. So, do you like what they're doing with Brock? Like this? I mean, it's not. No. Okay. Let's. We're going. We're back on Super Showdown now. I don't understand. Like, I was laughing. I was like, I literally typed "lol" into a text message chain during the show. The only way that Brock Lesnar's decision to not cash in on Raw last week made kayfabe Like when, he, when it was all in, uh, f- Seth he, was all banged yes. up. Okay, and yeah. he said, on Friday, Friday, right, Friday. Right, 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 I understand the storytelling necessity of making people watch Super Showdown. I understand, I guess, why you would just keep dragging it out beyond Super Showdown. But in kayfabe, the only way that makes sense for him to not do it just then is if he was cashing in on Kofi on Friday. Right. Yeah. If he was like, I want to work Tuesdays. I want to be on the new Fox show. Like something just totally like like kind of work shoot it like that. Uh huh. Even though obviously he can he can fight whoever he wants whenever he wants. He's Brock Lesnar. Say so he's like, 
our truth I'm coming for you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. Uh, well, okay. Yes. But here's a no. problem with Brock. Well, it's not a problem, but it's what Brock... I actually thought... I mean... The 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 kayfabe of it all, I I got you. I'm on board with that. Like that, that doesn't make any sense, and it's kind of aggravating. I will say it's I got you. Kind of have to appreciate the fact that he's willing to do a few different things than just simply showing up and beating the shit out of Roman Reigns. Um, but and this is something I've heard you say many times. He doesn't work unless he's carrying something around. He needs a belt. Or he Brock? needs, yeah, he needs something. He has to, he can't just be a guy. And so if he doesn't have the briefcase, he has to have the belt. But if they take the belt from Seth now, what, so am I, I'm like, wow, we're going to get this until at least SummerSlam, at least. Before he cashes in. I think so. Cause like if he cashes in, it's going to be successful unless there's a schmoz. And then in that case, you have Brock with nothing. He's just there being like, no, I'm coming for that belt. I just don't see that. Yeah, it's really confusing. I think you might be right. But to have him show up, again, probably just to make people in Saudi Arabia excited or make people all over the world excited to watch Super Showdown, I don't know what it was, but to have him show up at the end. And you, and, and on the, sh the show last week, I was, I, had, I was imagining, I was kind of imagining that he might that Baron Corbin might win somehow. Like Brock might let Baron help Baron Corbin win, and then Brock would cash in and beat Baron Corbin just so Baron Corbin could be an ex-champ. Mm -hmm. um, none of that happened. It was just no. the most like straightforward <laughs> failed cash in attempt. Um, yeah, it's the whole thing is really weird. It's it's a, it's a weird use of of Brock Lesnar. And again, this is an this is, it feels like a very old fashioned complaint, but. To Brock Lesnar, who's pr presumably on an appearance limit, oh. his, a contractual appearance, it's like a set number of appearances <sighs> that they would use it for something like that. It's pretty wild, but whatever. It's Brock Lesnar. It's 2019. We can stop complaining. Um, Finn Balor on Friday match was good. That was good. Good to see. My my the, my my. I mean, I really enjoyed the match. I thought it was great. Finn Balor, there's. Sometimes that makeup gets a little bit. I was gonna say he's pushed his the gimmick a little far. I'm like, yeah. it's like he wasn't they, always doing the tongue thing. No, the tongue thing. It's something happened a, a couple of months ago when the, the tongue meme first started. He basically just like, like they gimmicked up the demon for the first time. Yeah, he doesn't go. The demon's not like a last resort anymore. Now he's just pulling it out for random super showdown matches. Also, the, the they are. I feel like the makeup itself sort of changed a little bit, and it got a. It's a lot I, of black on the face. I was my, I was about to say it got a little bit. It got a. It's got a little bit blackfacey, like not in like a super offensive way, but like I am caught off guard now every time I see it in a way that I wasn't before. Yeah, I think it's just the solid black around his eyes and mouth. Yeah, and that is not what my figurine has <laughs> in my studio. Yeah, so. they changed it up a little bit. It's like they tried to do. It's like they worked really hard to find something that they could copyright without. Angering Marvel Comics or something, like that. <laughs> um, and they got to something weird. Anyway, yeah, they are really pushing it as a he's undefeated as the demon thing. So you clearly you can see they're setting something up there. The number one thing he has going for him, uh, Shane. God damn, let's talk about Shane later. Yeah, um, that's all. Honestly, I feel like that's a segment. Talk about matches that they're doing that they've repeated. They repeated Lars Sullivan versus Lucha House Party on Monday Night Raw. I that yes, the. 
whether you include this or not, that is the dumbest shit ever to me. Dude. <laughs> Just this feud or what? La- yeah, Lars Sullivan, he comes out looking like Popeye with his like facial expressions. And there you want to be, you're not intimidated by a dude fighting three guys that are an eighth of his size. It just, I don't know. No. He just doesn't do so if he's a triple H guy, right? Like mm-hmm. that was like a thing. I don't know. I mean, it's just like I know he was in the he was the intelligent monster in NXT, but I wonder if you Oh, is that oh that's right. But I wonder if you don't just I mean, clearly he's not he's proven himself to not be intelligent in, in real life. So well, I, yeah. I, uh to me, and we wrote, Oliver Lee Bateman wrote about this in The Ringer, that he's visually comes from, I mean, they, they call him the freak. He definitely comes from this wrestling tradition of the French angel and these guys who are actually like big, bald, like mutant freaks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And some of them were huge. I mean, French angel was like an enormous star, an enormous baby face, weirdly. I mean, just incredibly cool. Go, go Someone just finally found, released some video of him wrestling a couple mo- a month or so ago that was just stunning to watch. He looks fake. He, this is the guy who Shrek was literally based on. Oh, okay. And he was a pro wrestler and, or the 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 physical the physical look of Shrek in the in the Dreamworks movies. But the whole point of this is to say maybe it's too obvious. I'm not saying this is what I would do if I were Triple H or whatever else, but like maybe the move is to you know give him a manager like Aiden English and actually do like an old-timey wrestler monster gimmick. Like not like something, not like there's a time machine involved, but just somebody <laughs> with a little bit of like yeah, a retro. So give somebody, give him somebody with a retro feel, put him in like a frilly tuxedo, the, the manager, not, I mean, put Aiden English in the tuxedo, not Lars Sullivan. And then just have Lars kind of come out and he doesn't have to be like George the Animal Steel, but just like his, his you know, to have, the the point of a monster with a manager. I wrote about this when I wrote about the the Road Warriors fifteen years ago. It's like it it implicitly answers basic questions that you don't want to have to ask yourself. Like, do the Road Warriors have a checking account? You know, like the <laughs> wow, that's like, an interesting take. Yeah, yeah, but like, uh, and, and that could kind of solve that for Lars Sullivan. Sure. Anyway, moving on. Yeah, we're, mm-hmm. we're going to see Lars Sullivan wrestle the Lucha House Party every once a week, at least once a week for the next fifteen years. So that'll be fun. Um, by the way, Lars Sullivan, 100% main eventing WrestleMania next year. Oh, Lord. Uh, Randy Orton over Triple H. I was just happy to see Triple H's motorcycle make a return across the pond. Hell yeah. Imagine how much money they spent shipping. <sighs> I, you know that, you know what's funny? <laughs> that's the very first thing. They had to ship, I, a, lot. They had to ship a lot of stuff over there. thing I freaking thought of. I was like, damn, that must have been a, ton, a high freight, freight count. Although, yeah, I mean, they got the whole damn stage and everything and but presumably they have to ship like not all of their stuff like that whatever however they ship it they're probably shipping like the their 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 b stage or something right like sure like well, at this pro- point they probably leave their they must be leaving something oh, they probably rebuild a, ring? a lot of it i don't know yeah the pillars but yeah anyway. the, the motorcycles over there um maybe they just maybe they just left the motorcycle as a gift for the Crown Prince. I wouldn't be surprised if it's parked in his entryway or I don't know what the palaces have. Yeah. Foyers. Goldberg is still on there. Goldberg is there in a cage for the rest of his life. Just standing there. Actually, clearly working out because holy crap, he looked good. I mean, he looked good. He didn't look good. I will say, just before we get away, uh, Strowman over Ziggler, Kofi over... I mean, sorry, Strowman Strowman over Lashley, Kofi over Ziggler. 
which we're going to see again again at Stomping Grounds, another championship rematch. I'm not sure why. It, it's not even weird to me that they're redoing this one. I think Dolph Ziggler should be the, in the title match for every year, I mean, every month from now on. But yeah. to redo both title matches two weeks after they do it at Super Showdown, after they've gone, gone on and on hyping how Super Showdown was a WrestleMania quality event, just seems like I don't want to get. I don't want to spend all my time pissing and moaning about this pedantic shit. But no. But the marketing was aggravating. It was. It was so self-serving for the WWE. But no, I don't care if it's self-serving. It's all self-serving. Just don't like. If you're gonna lie to me, this is kayfabe. If you're gonna lie to me, keep the lie up for a week. Like yeah, keep the yeah. like after we're you're never gonna top that. <laughs> yeah. And then like uh, anyway, next we're week just gonna do it again. On yeah, yeah. We're gonna well, give but it to here's you. the thing. I would say, you know, it's funny. I was this is kind of in Smack. I, I with came with SmackDown. I am super into this. All right, so Dolph Ziggler. It made sense story wise. They had a match. Someone interfered. Okay, so now we put him in a cage. No one can interfere. Mm-hmm. Why is the cage there? So no one can interfere. It's like there, there's. That's a story. Honestly, it kind of makes me. Th- I mean, it's not like it's that hard. Anyone, I just wrote it right here talking to you. So it's not genius, but it actually makes me think. Wow, Bruce Pritchard's influence is starting to happen in the back behind mm-hmm. scenes again. Now that he's back, anyway. Uh, I like though what they're doing. Like the New Day versus oh, shit. Um, Ziggler, Kevin Owens, Kevin Owens, and Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn and Ziggler makes so much visual sense. Love sounds it. great, Love looks it. great. That shit mm-hmm. is awesome. Run with that, please. Schma- not schmoz. Have them like do this like whole pass them around to each other. Grand Robin and, thing. Yeah. yeah, build it up, and then yeah, maybe KO does go over on Kofi as the title holder at one of the big, uh, the big three this year. I mean, there's so much there, um, but I just fear that it's gonna just walk away because. They're on both shows, and that's like crazy because it is. I mean, Kevin Owens has been a stalwart, but it's hard to watch Ziggler, Owens, and Zayn and have any confidence that they're going to stay at the top of the card. You know, that's the biggest hang up for me. The New Days finally insinuated themselves up there. Yeah. And I just don't, I just can't, like, I would buy. I would buy the sort of Baron Corbin, Bobby Lashley, Drew McIntyre trio. I mean, obviously they're bigger and they were on Raw or whatever, but like, like those guys are boring as hell. Yeah, and I could I would buy that so much better. Wait, Jim, what did you want to say about having the same matches on on Super Showdown and Stomping Ground? Doesn't Stomping Grounds kind of mean like you go back to the same thing? It's like returning to a familiar place. I thought this almost I, came out of I my mouth. If they as, did that on purpose. Oh no, man. they 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 definitely geniuses. Did not. Vince McMahon my, is a genius. Part of me was uh, that's was, good shit. I almost made the point that if Super Showdown is actually like B- WrestleMania, then uns- then maybe Stomping Grounds is it's like what's the what was the one after that called like Revenge Show? <laughs> oh, Bad Blood, Unfinished Business. <laughs> Yo, so Bad that, Blood was WWE dope. Unfinished Bit, whatever it was called. They would always do like the pay per view with, with a couple of WrestleMania rematches. So, may- but no, that's not what they're trying to do here. Also. The logo for Stomping Ground is a boot. Yeah, you've got the artist <laughs> on the line. And here's the thing. I have friends that work at the WWE and their creative department. I'm not, I don't know who did what. I'm not, actually, my friends are animators, so. I like the logo. If you had to make it a boot, it was a good logo. If you had, you know, if it was your, if your design, cha- if this was an assignment in school and they're like, you have to make a logo with a boot. It is a good logo. And actually, on the poster that has Roman Reigns that, in this the little... The poster's pretty cool. Yeah, but that the logo looks good there. The logo looked good 
until I realized that the top of the boot was on there. I liked having just the 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 heel of the boot separating the two words. Yeah. That was kind of an, a cool look. Yeah. But the top of the boot is so, I don't know why we're talking about this. There's yeah. so many other fun things to talk Let's, about. So uh, we'll see that again. We'll talk about Shane McMahon at the end. Yeah. And how that whole thing's going. Loop back around. Before we get to Goldberg and Undertaker, since we're talking about these silly shows, did you see, by the way, that they have announced that they're having this big show in Japan and it's going to be, I just thought about this because it's the, the, it was, it's a Lashley, Elias, I mean, sorry, Lashley, uh, Baron Corbin, Drew McIntyre, and Samoa Joe. Hey. Versus. Oh boy. AJ Styles. Whoa. Uh, Gallows and Anderson. Get out. They're doing it. And. Demon Finn. No, Triple H. Oh, God dang it. <laughs> what? Are you kidding me? They I'm were not. so close. I'm not kidding you. If he throws up the two sweet. He's done it, hasn't he? He did it in like a match with Finn Balor somewhere or uh, something, didn't he? Didn't I mean, they have a, didn't he they have a, right? U, a UK match or something? Um, Wait, what show is that on? They're doing a, a, a big match in Japan. Like an exhibition match? A, no, a big show in Japan. Oh. That. WWE Tour Japan. Um, I love that he's just like. Joining the Bullet Club. It's fantastic. <sighs> so good. I mean, he actually is a perfect member of the Bullet Club. Like the, like Jeff Jarrett like, was in the Bullet Club. Jeff Jarrett was in the Bullet Club? Yeah, back very in the day? briefly. Didn't know that. No, no, no. Like oh. fairly recently. I think post AJ. Wow. Didn't realize that. I don't think I'm imagining I thought that. I was up on it my Bullet Club history. No, but you know what? I mean, that would, gosh, talk about giving some energy into stables. I mean, it's it's right there. AJ's gone on injury. Bring him back. Bring in Gallows and Anderson. Yeah, where's AJ? He's injured, apparently. Oh, it was Raw 25 where like Triple H and Finn Balor two sweeted each other. Yeah, that doesn't it doesn't really count. That doesn't count. There's a picture of them doing it in the ring too, though, in a match. Yeah, that's what that's what that's from. I mean, because of the wolf the wolf or well, not the Triple wolf H back, also joined the shield for a, a did moment at a house show. I don't know if you remember that. Too. It is very strange. So anyway, that that is a thing that's happening. WWE is doing a a show at the Sumo Hall on June 28th. Oh, that's like soon. Wow. That's so funny that he was in, the, he's going to be in the Bullet Club and he was in the Shield. He's going to be in the Mega Powers. It's gonna he's going to be great. Be, I know. <laughs> what other groups can we induct Triple H? In? He's basically already put himself in the Four Horsemen. Yeah. The Road Warriors comes out. He's oh, got the face paint and the shoulder the pads. Best. Animal's still around. <laughs> he's basically already <laughs> rocking their outfit. I mean, when he comes out to the ring on that bike. Uh, he's like two seconds, two two steps away from shoulder pads and a. I always think it's weird. I I comment on <clears throat> what people wear, rest what wrestlers wear too much, but on on uh, Miz TV they had Miz and um, Drew McIntyre started showing down at some point. And I was like, these guys look like a tag team. Like they're both they're both wearing, wearing the black leather, like like studded, like yeah, like yeah. what the heck is this? I noticed that. Um, Who else could he so. join? He joined the Nation of Domination, kind of. Not yeah, really. Not they, exactly. They did that parody of it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that um, was controversial. One of the f- most, one of the formative moments of my life. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, Who was he? The Rock? Yeah. Yeah. He, like he's Ridiculous. the whole thing about like if you go to the outhouse, you can smell what the Rock is cooking or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We should just try to get Triple H into everything before he retires. Just reunite old factions to put him in the Heenan family. Yeah. Oh God. He's like, I'm now in the Heenan family. And people are like, what? (laughs) You'd be good for the Heenan family. I don't think Um, it's possible. The Dungeon of Doom. Oh, that'd be good. Remember? It's the shark. Kevin Sullivan back. Yeah, I think he's dead. 
Um, <laughs> thanks for bringing that up. Would he be a free bird? Dangerous Alliance with Paulie. Paulie yeah. Anderson. The Midnight Express. Just have him be the third member of the Midnight Express. Get Jim Cornette out there. I this, there's the, the, the opportunities here are really endless. So just keep doing these world tours and keep putting Triple H and stuff. I, I totally want, I, I'm 100%. If this becomes the gimmick, I am 100% behind it. The Heart Foundation. Oh, uh, yes, please put him. Oh, that would be that, that would, would be make people mad. Um, I guess it it kind of felt obvious when they pushed the battle royal on the Super Showdown to the second to last spot that they were going to do something with it, and then Mansoor came out, and you were like, "Oh, this is why it's here." That, that was fine, right? Uh, sure. Uh, the ending was fine. That was great. His, spe- you know what? The only the takeaway from that is that his his speech at the end, which was awesome, and that story is great. I didn't. Um, I didn't see that coming or think about that until it was happening. I was like, oh, that's 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 feel good. But 50 men in the ring is a bit hard to watch, wouldn't you say? Like, what? nothing's happening. Or everything's happening at once. So I kind of skipped through that, to be honest. Yeah, it was fun. It was, it was a good time. He was there, and um, it was him and Ali and Elias. And who was the other heel who was around at the end? Well, whatever. Doesn't matter. There were apparently fifty. Yeah, there were fifty-one people in the battle royal as opposed to fifty. Right. Did they do that also, on purpose? speaking of SmackDown and those and what's it called and the the Miz TV, I think they actively they they actually said what the Tom Phillips or somebody said on SmackDown that the wildcard rule had been violated. Really? Like there were more than four people appeared on Smack from Raw appeared on SmackDown and they blamed it on Shane. Oh, uh, well, how about when Kevin Owens comes out and he's like, "Well, I'm here because of the wild card, whatever the hell that means." Yeah, it's like whoa. Yeah, even though, away the gravy there, Kevin. I can't believe Sami Zayn hasn't explained it to him since that's how Sami Zayn is on SmackDown every week. You think Kevin Owens would be like, "Now explain to me again"? Are you, are you going to get fired for this? Or He's just, <laughs> anyway, uh... it was good to see everybody who was in that battle royal. Every time someone get eliminated, there was a whole lot of like, oh, who, oh, it was either like someone I like from Two Hundred Five Live or someone who I was surprised to see still employed by WWE or both. That said, 205 Live this week might have been the greatest episode of WWE programming in a long time. Wow. <laughs> I was should watch very that. good. Go yeah. back and watch 205. I know okay. it, it wasn't that good, but it was like, it was it was really good. They had a four-way match to see who the number one contender for um, Tony Nese's title is going to be at Stomping Grounds. Oh. Um, they had just, uh, just a lot of other... I mean, it was just some cool stuff. Oh, uh, Chad Gable made his 205 Live debut against oh. Gentleman Jack Gallagher, and it was a very, very good match, like a very like a strong match. We'll say that like Drew Gulak is kind of growing his hair out. Looks like he's been in the gym. I think Drew Gulak like appeared on Raw. When, what was he on the main roster? He was did some, he did some appearance on Raw or SmackDown or something. I think he just showed... Whatever. I think running around with WWE, the thing that he's... Re- he must have registered the fact that he's bigger than a lot of the people on the main roster. Mm. And if he just sort of like really doubles down on the, I mean, he's been super character heavy since he's been in WWE, but if he just commits to the character and like commits to bench pressing, then he could, he might just be like a main eventer someday. And he might, like, I he's, mean, like he's a, he's really, really good at being a professional wrestler. So, you know, hope Drew Gulak gets everything he wants out of life. No, he's really great. I hope he's, I hope he, they make him a big star. All right, let's talk about Undertaker Goldberg. Hold on, let me hit my head against the door and bleed first. Okay. Um, I briefly did a series back at Grantland called Wrestling's Greatest Shoots, and the most interesting thing with that, with all these like in-ring 
when a match turns real. I guess this is the big thing about wrestling in general is that what, what keeps us entertained or what makes us most entertained is the fi- is the tightrope walk between what's real and what's not. I mean, at its at its very base base the most basic principles. That's what pro wrestling is. It's like mm-hmm. this is a fake thing, made, but it's made to look real, presented if it's real, reacted to by the fans as if it's real. Right. What really gets us going are like workshop promos, where it's like, wait, is CM Punk really talking shit about Triple H with Tr- CM Punk with Triple H sitting fifteen feet away behind that curtain, or like it's Brian Pillman calling, calling? Oh, gosh. Is when, he really pulling out a gun? Is, you know, yeah, is he really pulling out a gun? Is he really calling Sullivan Booker Man? Like, is he, uh, is, yeah, did he yeah, know yeah. that was happening? Like, yeah. do, did they did they plan it? That's always the question, right? Yeah. Um, one of the things that I, so it's like when, when something happens in the ring and you really don't know if it was a botch or not. Another great example <sighs> was on Monday night when Ricochet did the, did the uh, oh, big splash onto Cesaro's knee and Cesaro was just like clearly blew out his knee, but, a, but apparently was fine. And now I'm sitting here like, Wait, so did Cesaro think he blew out his knee? Or was he just the just unnecessary like overselling? I know. I, I actually rewatched I mean I didn't rewatch I saw the highlight of that today and I was like, that looked pretty real. But the only thing I can think is that he realized that he landed on his thigh and it was like the only way and, and Cesaro's thought process, because he's a wrestling genius, is the only way a, a flip onto a thigh is a legit is a legitimate pinning situation is if I blew out my knee. Mm. That's the only thing I can think. I think it's probably more likely that he thought he blew out his knee, that he hyperextended it or something, and that was it. Yeah. Although he might not have even reacted like that if he really thought he did, but he was kind of like grabbing at his knee while he was getting pinned. There's a whole lot of it was weird. Anyway. All of that is to say those moments that make us think are the good ones. And sometimes you find yourself in a situation like, I don't know if Goldberg was trying to get color or if he just threw his head into the into the turnbuckle or the whatever the the pole the ring post right on accident enough to concuss and bloody him not for the first time in his career i uh i don't think he did it on purpose because he, he's a he i'm not i'll tell you this i never actually watched much goldberg i mean i i know plenty about goldberg I was never, I didn't see him in WCW and I somehow, I mean, I missed his window in WWE, but everything, it's like, he's not the safest person. And so it just, you can imagine the hype, like him getting so hyped and being so nervous about being out there that he's just just like clumsy and just like bashes his head. Yeah. And next thing you know, the script is out the window and he's in trouble. I'll say this, the script was good. I was surprised. I was surprised to see them go like the two spears up front. Although I did that predict was, that it, I thought it was going to be one spear and then a tombstone and then see you later. Wow. Um, and maybe it should have been. Well, yeah. But they they obviously planned out a, a match. They had a good match. They I mean they 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 had thought they had they had, they did their work. Well, then Goldberg concusses himself, comes out bleeding, and they continue on with the match, even though. They probably shouldn't. Well, and you know what's this is what's interesting about that. It no one had. Well, I guess it's on. It's on Goldberg. I mean, I guess it's on Goldberg. You to have the the like foresight to say we could end this immediately, and no one will know the difference Mm -hmm. that this match could be just a 
a, a minute, 15 seconds, and everyone would be like, yeah, we expected that. Yeah. He could have just been like, dude, tombstone me, let's get out of here. In I, kayfabe, I can't see my toes. And kayfabe, if your finishing move is, is dropping your opponent on his head and you see that he suddenly has injured his own head and is dazed, you would probably just go for your pile driver. And it would make sense. And it would say, yeah. But I mean, I don't know how it all works in the ring and what. I mean, I'm sure he was Yeah, like, it is on Goldberg, I guess. But if you, I mean, listen, if if somebody, if if you're in the ring with somebody, you're the referee or the undertaker and you realize that someone just accidentally busted their head open on a metal ring post, then maybe you stop for a minute. Not like you have to pause the match, but, you know, prematurely, but you maybe that's the point where you ask yourself that question. Like, should we be calling this, should we be going home right now? Anyway, we've seen a lot matter. worse in the ring, but well, we've seen a lot worse in the ring, but what gets, yes, what, but what gets tricky is the one thing I really didn't think they would, they would book in the match was the jackhammer because I was like, I just don't that know was, how somebody, I don't know how somebody who's that rusty could pick up someone who's that old and, well, and that, trust it. Yeah. And that heavy, he's a heavy dude. And yeah. And, and for that to for them to keep doing that after Goldberg was clearly concussed, well, you it was surprising we got as good of a suplex as we got. Uh, yeah, and it's funny. And when you're listening to the the re the the commentary on it, Michael Cole, oh my, like oh my gosh, he's going for it, and then he and he does it. And he's just like, okay, didn't get all that, and you're just like, oh man, now everybody's in a tough position. But it was it was scary to watch. Like, so what you were saying about you wanting the when it's wrestling's at its best, when you're not sure if it's re- what's real and what's f- uh, fake. Ah, I used the F word, but you know what I mean. It's okay. Um, Wait, Jim just sent me a clip of the Undertaker. I mean, of uh, Goldberg leaving the ring at Super Showdown, and just straight up collapsing outside the ring. Really? Oh, I didn't see that. That's bad. So, so you're you're talking about that balance, and here's the thing: when for me, when the balance is, you're like worried about the safety of people not that i'm sitting here being like everyone needs to be safe i mean we all want that but then it's not fun anymore and so i didn't the concussion like you wouldn't know he was concussed just by watching but then as soon as they looked worn out anyway well they're old but yeah and then when an undertaker hit that tombstone that almost killed goldberg mm-hmm. it that's when it got pain like really uncomfortable to watch Really scary to me, and and just like oh, like the sh- flip thing too. Where well, they like, and they, that's at the end, but yeah. The, oh, you mean the earlier one? The yeah, early yeah. tombstone where he he like, um, you know, made a slinky out of his his skull and uh-huh. his his vertebrae. Yeah, that, I mean, have you ever seen Undertaker botch a, a, a tombstone? I mean, no. offhand? No, that was bad. And and actually, and actually, it's the opposite. It's like as the years wore on, the Undertaker was just holding people higher and higher to the point right. where he was tombstoning you, where your face was like at his waist. You know, yeah, just to yeah. be, it seems to be doubly safe. Anyway, what we're talking about matches where it's hard to watch because of the reality. This is why I've scribbled down that we had to talk about the Kota Bushi Naido match from last. Was it last weekend? At this at G one Supercard, uh, it was yeah. a it was a hard watch. Yeah, this match had a spot, and I'm I'm sure most people have seen these gifs on Twitter or on Reddit or wherever else. But like these guys always go out and beat the shit out of each other in like a way that's hard to watch. Actually, I think after the match, like Meltzer said, like refused to give the match five stars, even though it was good, because he was like, I just don't approve of this level of violence. But it's had a, they had a spot where where Naito 
suplexed Ibushi on the ring apron. It was supposed to be like a belly to back, I think, yeah. if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah. It was like one of them thought it was a belly to back onto the apron. The other one thought it was a belly to back onto the floor, which if that if someone really thought that, like, what the fuck were you thinking? But it ended up being the worst of both worlds, which was that like Ibushi's head hit the apron and nothing else did. And the rest of him went to the floor with his neck snapping to the side. Dude. Everybody watching it thought he was dead. Yeah. And they just kept going with the match after that. Talk about concussion. I mean, you... uh if you listen to it or watch it, go back and watch it again if you didn't notice this before and turn the sound up. When his head hits, the because you know you know when you're in the wrestling or in an arena or whatever, right before a big spot, everyone gets real quiet. Yeah. Oh my God. You can hear the thump of his skull on yeah, especially like Japan, the yeah. hard part of a mat, of the mat, like probably like the wooden. And it's just like, it makes you um, your stomach twist when you hear it. You're just like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, and then see, and then they're like slow mowing it. Oh my, look at this! Look, like, what did I just watch? Yeah, it's tough. I'm, I have it queued up right now, and I don't even know why because I don't do with this sort of like wrestling porn. And then so anyway, everyone's like, he got legit hurt. This is really bad. I can't believe they kept wrestling after this. And then he shows up after the match with this like his face looks like he got a bag of bricks dropped on it, and everyone's just like, oh, like look, he really did get injured. And he's like, no, that wasn't from that spot. That was from Naito headbutting me over oh, and over again in the face. Did you see that part? Yeah. Dude, I wrote this down. First, you get the belly to back suplex and he smacks his skull on the apron and like you think he's dead. He comes, he gets in for a 10 count. He immediately takes, well, not immediately, but pretty much immediately takes a reverse hurricanrana off the top rope onto the top of his skull landing on the top of his head. And then um, does then then he then delivers a, some crazy spinning tombstone friggin' thing that like looked like it compressed mm-hmm. uh, Abushi's neck, neck. Yeah. and then Abushi starts like s- strong style headbutting him in the face. It's just like, are these guys? Do they hate each other for real? Because I'm buying it, and, and this is scary dangerous. It's super dangerous, and no, I think it's the yeah. There's some. There's some. I don't know Japanese wrestling, obviously, to the degree I know WWE or whatever else. Um, but you, you know, you listen to other people who do, and you try to pick it up. There's just certain combinations in New Japan. Super, there's certain pairings that just have a tendency to go off the rails. Yeah, and not, and I think it's more about, like, I think that there's a way in which it's like there's a positive aspect to some of it too, right? Um. Oh no! There's the tombstone thing I'm watching right now. That was yeah. Ibushi performed that move. That was that move. All oh, that little package pile, whatever it's called. It's, he has a name for it now. But it's a that thing's a that's a, it's a mess. Now I'll you know we'll but that's see. oh my gosh. Well, so here's I th- by the way, this was explained to me. I said this on the show before, uh-huh. but now it's 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 it 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 is worth repeating. I asked Chris Hero, Cassius Ono, this WrestleMania weekend. I ran into oh, him. Nice. He's a genius. He's a, I mean, a wrestling genius. He's a super smart guy and studied in Japan, like knows all this Japanese, based a lot of his offense on Masawa I was talking about earlier. Like he's like, he, he knows Japanese wrestling about as well as any, you know, American dude does. And I was just like, I just watched something and I was like, what is the deal with Japanese wrestling and just and just dropping each other on our on their heads? It's like, they go, you watch some of these matches and it's like, we're trying, we're actually trying to see who can break each other's necks. Mm-hmm. I used to joke about this with like 
old Kevin Steen matches in Ring of Honor, like Kevin Steen Generico, but he those that wasn't the worst combo. There were some other people that they would wrestle where it seemed like they were having a contest to see who could do who could most convincingly break the other person's neck without breaking it. And and but in Japan it's like sometimes it just feels like we're not breaking the neck is not part of the calculus. We're tr- like we're really just trying like how, how do I say this? They're not trying to make it look like they're trying to break each other's neck. They're just trying to break each other's yeah, neck. Yeah, I was going to say this this is like a shining example of that. It, it almost felt like there was an anger where they're like, oh, "Okay, like screw yeah. you, let me show you like da-da, let me one up that." Anyway, but I mean, what did what did Cash Sono say cuz I'm curious Well, cause... basically he said it's I mean there's a, there's a lot of stylistic stuff. Yeah. Um but he said that a lot of it is that when you one thing is that when you start training when, okay. you, when you're like yeah. a young boy or whatever when you go in young the, boy there's the <laughs> young lion there's the uh one of one of the one of the I don't know the the preeminent schools of 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 wrestling training in in Japan it's all based around bridges like when like mm-hmm. in old school american training you would do squats oh, like or you would have to do like 800 sit-ups before you got into the or push-ups before you got into the ring and then you could start training or a lot of people would really just make people do a thousand squats before they could even get in the ring and they would be throwing up doing squats but in Japan, they're just like doing bridges left in it. So like you're basically just bouncing your whole like half your body weight on your neck from day one. And by the time you get in to actual training, like your everybody's neck is just like a tire. You know, I mean, it's just like it's super it's just really sinewy and thick. The other thing is that once you get to in a in a suplex heavy culture or not, cult, I don't mean this to be like a Japanese thing in a environment where people are just th- throwing belly to back suplexes left and right, you kind of realize very quickly if you're the sort of person it's like if you have the neck of a version of a glass jar or not and you just don't do that anymore mm-hmm. but the people that the people that seem to just be able to get away with getting dropped on their head and their neck over and over again you just do it until you until you get ko whatever the neck equivalent until you get a stinger you just you just presume that you're invulnerable yeah it, it's and some people really are there are a lot of people who just have a magical ability to get dropped on the back of their neck and like roll through it and it's fine well, and that's part of it. I mean, I it's that's cool that you heard that. I heard similar. Um, Jericho's mentioned that on somewhere. I've I've heard him talk about it, where he was like, "No, no, they train for this," mm-hmm. and and that's good. Um, it still feels just no. It's idiotic. Hard the whole, to watch. Like, to wait to, to to assume that you're invulnerable until you until you break your neck is like a terrible way to live your life. I, you know, I was wondering. So we, I'm, very, we all know the history uh, the, of of like American wrestlers and like the older, like a lot of people have died and whatever that may be, may or may not be from whatever. But I don't know like the history of Japan, like New Japan wrestlers, and do a lot of them die young? Do they not? I, I have no idea. Um, I mean, know? there have been a lot of Japan is. I mean, I'm gonna, I'm talking on my ass. Japan has had a, a number of significant like in ring deaths or wrestling related deaths really? in the way that the U.S. has. I mean, Masawa died in a match. That's who we were just. That's who I was just talking about earlier, and he was he died at 47 or 46, right before his 47th birthday. Mm. And they don't. They never said what happened to him, but the wide speculation is that he was like a heart. It was a cardiac arrest brought on by a by like an impact to the spine or the neck or something like that. I mean, he was wow. one of these people who was wrestling with grave injury just to keep going through. And that's different, but like you keep dropping yourself on your neck. If the doctors miss, I mean, imagine if like sad as it was to see edge go, if like they hadn't diagnosed him with like 
like the spine, whatever the whatever his like narrowing of the spine condition was. Mm-hmm. Imagine if he had like slipped a disc in the ring and just like was paralyzed or worse. Yeah, you don't want to see that. I mean, and if you, that's that's what, like that's the day to day. That's what you're dealing with this on a daily basis. If you're wasn't there something with Sting that he like broke his back or mm-hmm. his neck when he was in the ring and with they Seth Rollins. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he got really messed that, up. That and that was that, that was tough to watch. I mean, that was gross. And like really sad to see that, like kind of like a limp fish um, finishing through that. Anyway, Kota Bushi, Tetsuya Naido have, this is not the first time they have been just dis- like dis- disturbingly violent with each other in the ring. Is our, do you have any sense? We can get off this, but do you have any sense of the reaction being in a bit of a bubble here to like the US audience and not? Like if you were to go to Japan and find a fan, they'd be like, oh, I thought that was a good match. I don't know what you're talking about. You know, are they just much more used to it? Culture, not culturally, but like in their in their their local wrestling, I'll call it, you know? I definitely think this one blew up to a degree that like, you know. Did Kenny say anything about it? Kenny Omega? I was just curious if there was anything because he, you know, he and uh, I don't know what their story is, but oh, he's clearly a New Japan guy, but he and. Abushi, uh, I think, are close friends. Yes. I don't know whether they're yes. dating. I don't know what their deal is, but um, Kota Bushi, by the way, look like. I think. Did you Dude, send me this message? Yeah, he's jacked to he the looks gills, like ravishing Rick Rude out there right now. I he's awesome though. I think that, that he that he's an amazing wrestler, and he looks like a million bucks. Um, but dang, dude, New Japan just feels like with with Kenny leaving, Kenny Omega leaving. Obviously, you know the Bucks and Cody, the, the whole. Bullet Club thing is in a little bit of a reset right now. The Jay White, Jay White, who yeah. looks who's great. He's great. They they are having to replenish on like you know renew, renew and refresh on the fly. But it's uh, there's a lot of people reaching for that brass ring there right now. And it's kind of interesting to watch. Yeah, Even it if that is. means get throwing yourself onto the your head as you fall onto the floor. Well, and they're also taking you know John Moxley has a has an IG IWGP yeah sorry. IWGP club. <laughs> Anyway, um, <clears throat> yeah, no, no, he's really good. Juice Robinson, it's incredible. Short haired Juice Robinson, yeah, like a real winner. Um, I yeah. like New Japan. It's it's very entertaining. I like keeping up with it. They do nice videos on YouTube too, like recap stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, man. There's there's their English language stuff is really fun. Yeah. Anyway, all that is to say, we had two big matches this week that were. Very hard to watch from a like I hope my favorites don't die perspective. Yeah, well, it die in front of my eyes. Totally, and but and honestly, on two different ends of the spectrum. Not to, but like let Undertaker. First of all, Goldberg, he looks great, but like I guess he shouldn't be wrestling anymore. The Undertaker, man, just go like ride into the sunset. I think that he would love to ride in the sunset. But no one's twisting his arm and making him come wrestle. That's what I, I don't I don't this like. This is that. what I spent hours thinking about this weekend. I don't know. It's like like what are other examples of this? It doesn't happen in sports that much, but it might happen in like like there's a lot of times there's like famous like sports announcers that are out there way past their prime. And they're being brought out because it's like there's a there's a comfort factor with the viewer, even though they're not good at what they're doing anymore. And the people that like the people that pay attention to it are like just put them out of his misery. But it's like you know whoever is not going to say no to the paycheck. At some point, you offering the Undertaker ten million dollars, whatever. I'm, I'm making that number up. But if you're yeah. offering him, you know, seven figures 
to go wrestle one match in Saudi Arabia, um, the offer is is the sin because no one's going to say no to that, right? Uh, it's one thing to say no to like 75K to show up at SummerSlam or whatever the number would be, even if it was more than that. But, the but when you're talking about like, this is life-changing money for my grandchildren. Well, yeah. I'm not going to fault any person for taking a payday um, if it doesn't compromise your morals or whatever. I mean, I wouldn't fault you anyway. That's your choice. But, you know, sometimes it doesn't have to get that far, right? Where you're just like, you know what? Don't even... But he's clearly made it known that he's open to wrestle. And it's just like... I, I hate this stuff where I mean he's he's clearly I'm not I'm in the majority here. He was one of, he's my favorite wrestler. And like watching his golly, three years ago, his retirement at Mania where he put the hat in the ring, the gloves, that was amazing. That was so well done. And then for what? To just come back and drop another album and then another album. And now he's you know what I mean? Like everyone retires and returns, but when you're putting your your life on the line, it seems a bit dramatic, but it's kind of true in this case. I mean, had had that jackknife gone a half turn less than it already did, he would be like paralyzed too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he looked pissed at the end of that match. By the way, <laughs> like he just won, and you see the gif of that. Oh yeah, he's just like. I mean, you can't see me, but I'm going. Ugh. Anyway, I just think it's a real, it's, it made it, it was a really sad show of who The Undertaker is now, I guess. It just bummed me out to see that. And uh, you don't want to see anyone die. Well, yeah, I think that's right. <laughs> Let's talk about Shane real quick. Oh, please. Yeah. He is without a doubt the number one heel on WWE programming. And we talked a lot of shit about Baron Corbin. I think that I kind of think they should just put him together instead of putting Shane with these other dudes. Well, didn't he appear with him? Yeah. I mean, they're not not together. I'm just like, like, let that be the let that be the first of all, there's no power fi- there's no authority figures on either show anymore besides Shane. Yeah. So they're to me okay. So they're 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 Vince McManning him. They're Mister McManning him, right? He's right. the Mister McMahon. But the problem to me is, is that his thing is is not uh, corporate power. It's at least right now this this story that they're trying to tell. It's not corporate power, which we can all be like, okay, it's physical power. It's like, who? I'm yeah. a strong guy. I'm a wrestler. But when really we like, when you're up against Roman Reigns, there's no reason why you should be winning. So that whole dynamic doesn't work. So I don't believe in you. As, so now I'm just annoyed and you're on every show and you're taking a lot of airtime. That's the biggest, that's definitely the biggest problem with it is that like Mr. McMahon was never a physical threat to Stone Cold Steve Austin until he got, but he, I mean, when they finally did, he was super jacked. He was oiled up. He was full of himself. And I guess on some level you could suspend disbelief or just whatever. Imagine that like Vince McMahon is not a better wrestler, but maybe if he got him in a headlock. You know, maybe if he just like sure. wore him down and somehow got him in a something, he could, all he needed was to be strong. Vince could do it. It's weird. But by the time he came out and do, doing all that, it wasn't about, no one was like, oh, this, like it wasn't about the physicality. No. So I also think there's a weird, the, the, my, my biggest hang up with Shane right now is that he, is that he has a, well, he's always had a weird sense of style, but I, but it's weird when everybody around you is dressed like a wrestler and you're wearing like a black t-shirt and jeans. 
and sneakers. Yeah, and the sneakers. I, I don't know. There was a moment this week where he was was he after the match talking to somebody backstage. I don't know. I just I just saw they had a good. There was a good. They had a good little interaction with him, and I think it was Drew. And I had a vision where like Shane should just be like backstage, constantly like like the vibe should be more like workout buddies. Or like if you've ever actually been to an MMA gym or something like that, there's always like the dudes with money who are there and how they get treated as equals because they're buying drinks or something, you know, like that should almost be the vibe where like when they, I just want to see backstage promos of, of like, you know, sweaty Shane getting like a massage from Drew McIntyre or just Drew McIntyre being like, yeah, great bench. Great. You, you like those reps were amazing. That set was incredible. You know, that like, puts it over for you. Yeah. Like just something to make it a little bit more just hateable rather than just, I hate you because you're a heel and also because you shouldn't be on TV. But going back to our very first conversation, part of me, part of me does wonder if the, if the calculus with Shane is that by making him look le- like making him look legit is actually an exercise in making him hated because he doesn't deserve to look that way. Like, is that the Oof. only way they think they're going to get him over? That seems you're giving a lot of credit to yeah, the writing situation. It's, easier, it's more fun to talk about when you give them all the credit in the world. Okay, well then, Listen, yes, I, sure. the biggest surprise coming out of Super Showdown. I mean, I and I say this seriously because I knew that Shane was going to be a big deal regardless. But it's not that we're getting our two championship matches completely just done again for us. It's not that the Undertaker and Goldberg looked old. Certainly not that. It's that they didn't. I, I honestly, I re- there was a part of me that thought Shane was getting the amount of attention he was getting solely to hype Super Showdown, and it wasn't. Nope, because they're doing it's, it's not on. They doubled down. But yeah, he's on. I'm so confused about who's on what show. Where's this? What's that? He's. It's like do like dueling storylines, same characters. I don't even know. Yeah, they doubled down, and it's to, you know to your point though, not to to take it back away from that, but like the reason. For me, that it doesn't work one is like that because Roman is a superhero. He's not an everyman. Mm-hmm. He's not like Stone Cold was a big dude and he could whoop your ass, but he was the every he was the guy we wanted to be. We or not, we related to, right? Uh-huh. Or he related to us, whatever, whichever direction you want to go in. Roman is not the guy we all relate to. Roman is Superman. Yeah. And so we can't so now he's not embodying us and so now we don't Im- like see ourselves against Shane and so then it just becomes it, it really takes away from uh, like any kind of be- believable or convincing angle other than now we're just annoyed that we're seeing Shane so much I mean he's awesome at, he's great on the mic he can do his thing but like and where they go with it like the story is hey man i'm stronger than you it's like what is yeah. that the, is that a story it is very strange it is very strange and also yeah i mean just that he after all this just became like his gimmick is that he actually is the best in the world i thought the i thought it was a joke that yeah he was the right best in the world. yeah because they're pulling they're working both sides of that in the same segment right yeah that he's both ironically and maybe literally the best in the world i guess he obviously gets help Drew McIntyre won the match on Friday, but and Drew McIntyre gets Roman Reigns at Super Showdown. I mean at um stamp stomping stamping grounds. <laughs> Stampy grounds. Uh but but you know, Shane had to hold his own long enough to get to that finish. 
Oh yeah, he and he he's a, clearly a great wrestler. It's all just very strange. I More just, massages, guys. This is what I need. I'm, I'll be totally on board. Just give me some like homoerotic <laughs> backstage segments, and I'm I'm down. Do you think this is all to push? I mean, you, you got to think that it's pushing to get Drew McIntyre into some kind of a position, but like Drew McIntyre versus Roman. I mean, they're clear they're having that match, or but like Seth, Drew versus Drew and Seth have incredible chemistry. They just need to get Drew in a position of being worth that shot. Yeah. Um, yeah. It'll be. It'll be. There's so many people. It's hard to. Honestly, I don't know how they keep it straight. Which I seems like they aren't at the time. I hope that Shane just keeps. If if they're gonna do it, just go all in. Let him be Mr. McMahon. That's what I'm. Yeah. Keep growing his <laughs> growing his stable week by week. Like there's a new member all the time. I love the revival as part of it, but it would be kind of funny going off the homoerotic thing if like everybody that he that joined his evil alliance just had like long hair and a beard. Like he just, if Shane had a type, that would be really funny. <laughs> Gosh. Um, but anyway. No, I don't know. No comment. Um, but yeah, just have him keep going. Just just more and more people every week. Why not? You could. And if he did that, he could set up for, they could replay the, what was it? Survivor Series 98 and ha- have the ultimate swerve where whoever like Roman turns on someone and goes corporate, joins Shane. Yes, go corporate. I mean, imagine all you can, if you have a real unstoppable heel force that is and one of the people is the owner it could be a really big deal imagine how big of a deal it would be if like Bray Wyatt re-debuted and went and like attacked Shane McMahon in his debut like so no, nobody be expecting that but it wouldn't be like out of character for Bray to want to do his own thing yeah like there's just so much things there's like, you can play off of it really well so maybe that's what they're doing maybe they're going to build something good I don't know I don't know. It is really weird that Shane McMahon is our top heel in 2019, and they're just just working it. I feel it's weirder that they have two shows that are on two separate networks, and the same people on both shows literally doing almost the same story, like telling you what happened on the last episode and then redoing it. The whole thing is previously on Game of Thrones. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. All right, we got to get out of here. Dude, can I plug my... my uh... Plug your posters, absolutely. All right. If y'all like wrestling posters, find more online. You can go, go to prowrestlingtees.com slash posters. You will find all of my posters done there for uh, actually really good prices. Uh, we got Legends. We've got AEW guys. We've got some of your favorite wrestlers that aren't wrestling anymore, CM Punk. <clears throat> Uh, but yeah, check that out. And there's a lot more coming. So, you know, keep an eye on them. Keep an eye on me on Bartlett Studio and BartlettStudio.com. You should do a poster of John Cena now that he's apparently done with WWE. Yeah, he, if he's open. Actually, here you go. Uh, if you've made it this far, go to ProWrestlingTees.com. Click through the wrestlers they have. And of the legends, I'll call it, of the old school legends you see on there. Oh, yeah. Tw- at me or at Mass Man Show, who you want to see as on a poster. Uh, I'll tell you, uh, Nature Boy is in the queue already, but who else would you want to see based on who they have license with? So just make sure they have license and uh, throw that out there. I'm curious because I'm here for the people. I'm the people's illustrator. I'm excited. I can't, I can't <laughs> wait to hear what people say. Yeah. Um, anyway, thank you uh, once again, Jonathan, for coming by. Appreciate it. It was fun. Um, Jim? Yep. You have anything you want to say on the way out the door? Do you want to plug your your posters? 
Come see me in Tom Gun Live, San Diego, June 22nd and June 29th in Los Angeles. Tickets at TomGunLive.com. Go see Jim. Go see Jim. And that, that the show is actually really hilarious. Not actually, I'm saying actually like someone might think it's not. The show is really hilarious. Thank you guys for listening to us ramble today. This was actually really yeah, fun. Yeah, I think that was good. For a show that we started off saying, I don't know what we're going to talk about. That, <laughs> that went way better than could have been expected. Um, guys, thanks for listening. Uh, apologies, as always, to John Moxley. We'll see you back here next week. John anyway. Moxley! We are desperately out of time. The tape machines are rolling. We'll see you next week on The Masked Man Show. What is the deal with Japanese wrestling and just and just dropping each other on our on their head? It's like you go you watch some of these matches and it's like we're trying we're actually trying to see who can break each other's necks.